Hello, this is Kimberly Chalmers with the Be Well and Be You podcast, where we discuss everything to do with your health, your well-being, and ultimately what it takes to live a vibrant life for the long term. And today I have titled my message, Allow Me to Change Your Mind About Aging. The most of us want to live a good life. We desire to be healthy, we desire to be strong, we want to be happy at the end of the day, yet there seems to be an age that's just too old. When I tell people I'm excited to live beyond 100, most people are completely aghast. They're like, uh, what? <laughs> no, I don't ever want to live to be that long. They don't want to live to be 90. They don't, 100 is just far too old. And I ask them, why is that? And I ask you, why do people think that there's an appropriate age to live into? And after that, it's just, you're too old. And the typical reason people give me for their disapproval of living too long is that they perceive normal aging as this time, you know, beyond 75 or 80, where you're likely sick, you're taking fistfuls of medication, you have troubles getting around physically, you're forgetful, and often you become a burden to your families. So this really assumes that the aging process is terrible, it's not worth the pain and suffering, and this assumes that the path of aging has one direction. And for this reason, we as a culture have decided that there is an appropriate age to live until. And beyond that, it's just too old. It's better to die before you get too sick. It doesn't have to be this way. What if I told you that you have the power to live healthy and to live long? What if all your loved ones had this power too? Would it change your mind about aging if you believed you could be in community, surrounded by healthy, able loved ones, living full, vibrant lives well into your 90s, well into your 100s? So think about that for a moment before I carry on here. Just pause for a second. What if aging looked different? What if you could feel as amazing at 100 as you did at 35? Would your mind actually change if you had a new belief about aging? You're going to enjoy life right up until you take your last breath, you know, where you're wise and you're, you know, older person and you're contributing to the community. You're strong, you're creative, you're living life to its fullest. Would you choose now, maybe even to eat healthier? to move your body more, to read more books, to build a larger financial foundation, and maybe create networks of souls like you? Would it change how you're living now if you had a totally different belief about the aging process? I know I've just asked a whole lot of questions here, but really, I, I so desire for all of us to embody a shift in how we believe and what our cultural beliefs are around aging, because I really don't believe it has to be the way that we feel it does. And a lot of, um, it, there's a lot of evidence, right? I have aging family right now. There's lots of things going on for them. One's 96, one nine is 94. So I'm seeing, uh, you know, I'm seeing, a breakdown in community. I'm seeing 
the breakdown in the body. I'm seeing changes in memory. I'm, I'm seeing all of this. So it's not like I'm immune to what we observe. What I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily have to end this way. It doesn't necessarily have to be this way. I also have had family who lived well. And then for instance, my great grandmother who I grew up with when she died at 95, I was so shocked. I remember it was final exam time at university and I, I could barely even function because I'd grown up with her and I just sort of expected her to live forever because she was so healthy and so strong. And she was just such an incredible woman. She was still mowing the lawn and she was still taking the bus to get her groceries and still very independent. And so I have also been witness to aging well. And so when she passed away and her heart just gave out on her and her last breath was taken while she was sleeping, that is the natural aging process where your body just lets go. So have you heard of the blue zones around the world? These are zones with the most amount of centenarians. So places with high concentrations of individuals who are over a hundred years old. And most significantly, there are, these are have clusters of people who grow old without health issues like heart disease, obesity, diabetes, cancer, blah, 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 all the things that we sort of expect are part of the norm, right? So these beautiful souls live well. So check out the Blue Zones. They're all over the world. Um, and, and there's been a lot of research to identify what these blue zones community, blue zone communities, what makes them unique. And it appears that yes, they eat healthy, uh, whole foods, you know, rich in nutrients. Um, but the foods that they're eating are quite varied from one city, one location to the next. So it's not strictly a diet issue. It's not sort of like one perfect diet is going to, you know, be what every single human being on the planet needs. It's not that it's not strictly a diet issue that separates the blue zones from the rest of the world. What seems to be common among them is their gut health is stellar, their gut health. And this makes so much sense when you understand the ancient wisdom that teaches that all disease begins in the gut. That comes from Hippocrates. Like think about it, like long before modern medicine, this was the understanding. All disease begins in the gut. And we seem to have forgotten about this. So even though there's this ancient wisdom, we are finally catching up to this understanding. And now there's mounting scientific evidence that points to a strong correlation between our gut health and our overall health and longevity. So this is actually really encouraging because the more that we know, the more we can heal ourselves and live healthy, long lives. And I fully believe that you and your loved ones could become centenarians. And before you, you know, shut this off and go, oh, forget it. I do not want to live to be that old. What if you could live well until you're 70 or until you're 80, whatever the age is, if you live well throughout, would that shift things for you? It takes a big mental shift, really, away from our existing belief that we necessarily get sick as we age. Plus, it takes another key factor, a healthy microbiome. So the microbiome 
really in a nutshell how, and how it relates to our long-term health. The, the my, microbiome is basically a community of microorganisms made up of trillions of bacteria, viruses, and fun, fungi that live on and in our body that are referred to as this microbiome. Okay. So it's basically, you know, we're basically a mix of microorganisms and cells, right? And there are nearly the same number of microorganisms as there are cells in the body. So the microbiome is an incredibly important element of our overall health and well-being. And studies have actually shown that if you take the microbiomes from a healthy rat and put them into a sick rat, the rat will actually, the, the sick rat will actually get better. This is actually called a microbiome transplant. So it's the, the studies are really starting to show, whoa healthy microbiome equals health. So we each actually have our own microbiome fingerprint, which is super cool, right? Because we're all just so unique. We're totally unique in our genetics and our age, our lifestyle, our diet, our exercise, our experiences, which all play a role in our microbiome. So while there are some things we don't yet have control over, you know, like where we're born, how we're raised, we can influence our health by making positive changes that will then impact our future. So I want to give you 10 signs that your microbiome could use a tune-up. Okay. So listen for any of these, or even if you're kind of like, hmm, maybe wasn't even really paying attention, but maybe just listen for any of these things. So these are signs that your microbiome could use a tune-up. Number one, you don't poop two to three times a day. When I tell people this, they're like, what are you talking about two to three times a day? I'm like twice a week or I'm every other day. Well, that's a sign that your microbiome could use a tune-up. Every time you ingest, you also need to be eliminating. Number two, you have bloating, gas, diarrhea, or constipation. Sometimes, often, frequently, any combination of that. Number three, you deal with brain fog, lack of concentration, or you drop things frequently. Number four, you suffer from depression, anxiety, any form of mental illness, headaches, etc. Number five, you have skin breakouts, joint aches, muscle pains. Number six, you struggle to sleep well and you don't feel rested when you wake. Number seven, you feel low energy and lack of motivation. Number eight, you have an autoimmune diagnosis, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, or other digestive diagnosis. Number nine, you took antibiotics in the past. I'm not giving you a time frame here because every, every person is different. Some people will replace the good gut flora within you know, a couple of months after having antibiotics, but if somebody has been on long-term antibiotics um, or, or antibiotics over time, it may be that some of your gut flora has literally never been replaced. So it really depends on the individual. And number 10, you just don't feel right. So if you have any of these signs, it is possible your microbiome needs some attention. So there's lots of ways to begin enhancing your microbiome. And it's really best if you try one or two of these next suggestions as a start. Often when our microbiome is out of balance between the friendly and not so friendly bacteria, trying too many changes at once can result in you know, uncomfortable symptoms. 
maybe even some gas and bloating and whatnot. And, and sometimes we begin to detox, which is a good thing, but we want to do this slowly so as to create some success and really not overwhelm your whole system or overwhelm yourself. So here's five ways that you can improve your microbiome. And I'm going to go through them in a little bit more, more detail in a second, but I'll give you the list to start with. Probiotics, prebiotics, di diverse rainbow foods that are high in fiber, reducing your stress and exercise. So let's go into this in a little more detail. So probiotics are super important. It's really key to include foods and supplements in your diet that are rich in live bacteria. <clears throat> and I say live bacteria because just because it says on the label that there's bacteria <laughs> doesn't mean it's actually live. So you do want to make sure that everything that you are ingesting is going to help increase your gut flora. So some ideas of things that you can easily access at health food stores or in the organic section in your grocery stores, or you may know people who make these, or you may even make these things yourself or want to learn how to make them. So lots of really cool things that are great as addition to the foods that you're already eating or um, something to start add, um, complimenting and going alongside what you're eating. So sauerkraut or kimchi, which are fermented cabbage. Kimchi is usually a little bit more spicy. And you want to be sure that there's no vinegar added, just salt and water. So really easy to read the label. Um, and you want to find them in, in, the, in the refrigerator section of the grocery store. If it's canned, it may have undergone processes to extend the shelf life, but which then kill the microorganisms. So the key is live organisms. And uh, yeah, so really it's becoming easier and easier to find these kinds of foods. And like I said, Often in the organic section, in the refrigerator section, you'll find these kinds of foods now. Yogurt and kefir. Um, so with these things, you want to avoid as avoid too many sweeteners if you can. Look for brands that say live active cultures on the label, and you can even make your own easily. I'm not including a recipe today, but message me if you do want a recipe for yogurt. I've got a really simple, easy, easy recipe. Uh, tempeh. So this is fermented soy and you want to ensure that it's non-GMO. Any kind of soy products, we want to make sure that they're non-GMO and organic if possible. Pickles and other fermented vegetables. So these, again, avoid brands with vinegar, preferring pickles and vegetables that are naturally fermented in salt brine. It's not always possible, but really this is where you're going to end up with um, more of that beautiful live cultures. And I'm actually going to learn this fall how to make pickles. And I'm really, really excited about that. So stay tuned. I might be, might be talking a bit about that. Um, olives, kombucha, apple cider vinegar. These are also some really great probiotic foods that you can experiment with to see how this can improve your gut bacteria. And then a probiotic supplement. So like the USANA probiotic that I love and oh my goodness, it's like, <laughs> I'm selling it like crazy right now because it seems like everybody has some kind of a gut issue. Um, but again, you want to make sure that there's bacteria that is live. If you're going to order a probiotic supplement and you also want to make sure that it's a strain or a few strains of probiotics that are actually going to make it past the stomach acid and get all the way to the end of your digestive tract. You want to make sure that it's actually going to get in there and, and replicate. And if it doesn't even make it past the stomach acid, it 
is just not going to be efficient for you as well if it's in a jar that you keep in the fridge every time you open that jar you're losing the potency so be sure that if you do have it you're using it up in a couple of weeks or a month at the most so that you're making sure that it does have the the potency so examples of prebiotics so prebiotics are a form of dietary fiber that friendly bacteria feed off of. So prebiotics are the food for the live bacteria, whereas probiotics are the actual live bacteria. So we also need both, right? So probiotics and prebiotics. We also have postbiotics, but I'm not going to get into that today. So examples of prebiotics are things like dandelion greens, apples, garlic, onions, leeks, asparagus, bananas, barley, oats, cocoa, flax seeds, wheat bran, like there's so many great examples of prebiotics. And eating these foods is really going to support your holistic approach to improving your gut microbiome. Okay, number three, eating a diverse rainbow of foods that are high in fiber and low in processed sugar. So eating at least seven different fruits and vegetables that you, um, so that you can encourage the diversity of bacteria in your gut and really aim for at least 30 grams of fiber. So when you want, when you're eating foods, fruits, vegetables, and whatnot, try to mix it up, you know, each day having a different variety as much as you possibly can, depending on the region that you live, you may have access to different items. Um, this is why it's so nice that so many people are getting into, you know, growing their own foods and freezing what you can for the winter. And yeah, any, anytime you can have real nutrient dense foods, it's going to really support your overall health. Number four, reducing stress. So we've long known of the reality of the mind-body connection and that your gut health is directly impacted by the stress that we feel. So just to, I mean, there's, there's lots of different things that you can do to reduce your stress and everybody has their own things that really support them. I just wanted to give you a couple of tips today that are going to really help to dramatically reduce your stress right away. One is breathing slowly, breathing in and out of your nose, primarily through your nose. If you can really, really begin to focus on nasal breathing, studies have shown that nasal breathing alone can reduce blood pressure, can reduce blood glucose levels. I mean, there's just like, oh my goodness, so many amazing, amazing benefits, reduce snoring, etc. So breathing really slowly in and focusing on your nose. And if, if you keep finding your mouth keeps opening to take a breath, close your, you know, physically close your mouth or put some tape over your mouth to really just get your body into that rhythm. Uh, breathing in and out your nose with my little one. I will literally take my fingers and close them over her lips when she starts to get into that, you know, toddler panic. And uh, I will just coach her to breathe in and out her nose. And sometimes, you know, you get that quick breathing and you're breathing out your mouth. And this is where we end up feeling like we're going to pass out because we're breathing in and out of our mouth. If we breathe in and out of our nose, we will actually reduce the chance that we're going to feel like passing out. So really it's brilliant. There's a book called breath, read it. It's so brilliant as far as, um, teaching us how to breathe through our nose. Okay, journal and writing gratitudes is another beautiful way to reduce stress. The more that we come from a place of gratitude, feeling grateful, feeling thankful, 
Oh my goodness. Just having a moment to be thankful for our circumstances, no matter what they are. I'm being grateful for the things that we're learning through it and the people and the opportunities that are coming about as a result of whatever that challenge is. So powerful. And anytime we can take pen to paper, like actually pen to paper, the kinesthetic act of this and just externally processing what's been going on and what's maybe clogging up in our minds can really, really support us. So really powerful in terms of reducing stress. The other thing is to remind yourself that you are safe and that all you have is this moment of now and you will figure out the next moment when you get there, right? We literally only have right now and we literally only have right now. And it's our minds that spiral into the future or backtrack into the past. This is what causes so much of our stress. So reminding ourselves, I am safe. I am safe in this moment. I am breathing in through my nose. I am grateful for this opportunity, right? All these things are really beautiful in terms of reducing stress. And then number five, exercise. We tend to live in rather sedentary, we live in, you know, rather sedentary lives, which is contributing to our diminishing health. So moving your body for 10 minutes after every meal with a light walk, just a light walk doesn't have to be, you know, going for a 10 mile run, just a nice walk around the block is perfect for enhancing your digestion and increasing your blood flow, which is again, helps with your digestion. So just 10 minutes after every meal has been linked to an abundance of health benefits, such as maintaining blood sugar levels and cardiovascular function and, and so on. So really, really simple. Anybody can do it. Even if you're just standing and doing some squats or, you know, any kind of just moderate exercise, all of this is going to really help to support digestion. So the best way to get started you know, I've given you five ways and these are all really great, but like I mentioned before, pick one or two things to create success first and then introduce more ways. So for example, if you begin taking a probiotic or eating sauerkraut, plus you start walking for 10 minutes after dinner, let's just say you're just going to pick one meal a day and you're going to walk for 10 minutes and you're going to add your probiotics. Continue doing this daily for a week until you feel this has become a natural rhythm for you. Then add an activity like writing two gratitudes each evening before going to bed. It's easy to think you can add all five ways for improving your microbiome all at once. But if you try all of them and forget them for a few days in a row, you may feel defeated and you might give up. This is human nature, right? It's like, oh, I didn't do it again. Oh, I didn't do it again, right? So if you're adding you know, you know, too many things all at once, you may feel defeated too quickly. Also, if you add tons of fermented foods all at once, your gut might react with extra gas and digestive upset. So just take it easy, take it slow, create success, and then add more, right? Success breeds success. So let's just go over those quickly again. So your probiotics, prebiotics, eating a diverse rainbow of foods, high in fiber, reduce, reducing your stress and, and exercise. No matter how much of a mess your gut is, you have the power to change your health. 
it may take time and patience. It may take trying a few things and figuring out what combination of, or quantity works best for your unique microbiome, but hang in there. It is totally possible to heal your gut and live a long, vibrant life. And I plan to live well into my hundreds. So it behooves me to ensure my microbiome is in tip top shape. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on aging. Did you buy into the cultural belief that to age is to get sick and lose your mind? If living healthy and strong along with your loved ones is possible, would you change your mind on what age you live until? And if today's message has impacted you, please feel free to share this with someone you want to live old with. And if anyone you know would like to join my mailing list, send them to my website, KimberlyChalmers.com, where if they can add their email, they will be included in my weekly newsletters. So as always, be well and be you. And thank you so much for showing up today. Oh, mama, mama.